The White House says President Trump only watched bits and pieces of the Comey interview. He didn't consume the whole thing because it wasn't a bucket of chicken. (laughs) Khloe Kardashian named her new baby daughter True because she wanted a name that has a special history with the family. So it was either that or the name Instagram. Two million dollars worth of meth was found hidden inside 500 Disney character figurines near Atlanta. Authorities became suspicious when Disney princesses started having their teeth fall out. Oh. <laughs> Reports say over one million illegal immigrants living in California have received driver's licenses. And they're all currently fighting for a spot in the Trader Joe's parking lot. Mm-hmm. The Trump Report <laughs> starts now. Live from Los Angeles, California, AfterBuzz TV, and America's Voice, this is the Trump Report. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Trump Report. Christian Blatt here, joined by Tamara Brown, Scott Moore, and I said your name, so there's not really much for you to do other than nod. Mm -hmm. So for people listening on iTunes, maybe they're not here. Uh, But uh, on the couch, return guest, uh, Royal Oaks, KNBC TV legal analyst, and on Twitter, at Royal Oaks, O-A-K-E-S. People should really be following you on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's a not... couple of them do. It's great <laughs> to be here. Uh, thank you so much for uh, coming all this way into the valley uh, here in the middle of the afternoon slash night, depending on when people are watching it. Uh, in any case, uh, Royal, we're going to start off. I'm going to put you on the uh, the hot seat because you are indeed on the couch, and it is not hot. Um, let's talk a little bit about Michael Cohen and. There's some big news to talk about this week, but I want to kind of start with the raid, which we talked a little bit about last week. Uh, Talk about sort of the grounds for the raid and what they were looking for in it. So Mueller said to the Southern District of New York prosecutors, hey, uh, I'm going to refer this to you. It's not exactly Russia collusion, but it looks like illegal activity. And sure enough, the lawyers in New York, the feds, went to a magistrate judge and said, how about a warrant to get all of Michael Cohen's electronic devices, more than a dozen of them? And they not only convinced the judge to issue a warrant, they convinced the judge to allow a raid. They couldn't trust Cohen to say, oh, here's a subpoena. How about producing your documents in a week? The suspicion was he'd do what Hillary may have done, taken a hammer to her cell phones. And so they raided the, the joint. And so now they have all of his communications, which may well include a lot of things that might be protected by the attorney-client privilege. Right, and I guess it also doesn't give you the opportunity for, I think we've we've all seen the movies where the feds are closing in and everything's going into the shredder, and uh, right. so you didn't have time to get rid of any possibly incriminating documents. Uh, you referenced attorney-client privilege, so... Uh, documents that are covered under attorney-client privilege, uh, are they admissible, or how, do you, how are you able to use those? Totally inadmissible, secret stuff. I mean, if you and I have a relationship, I'm the lawyer, you're the client, whatever you say to me, face-to-face, letter, email, smoke signals, it is confidential. Nobody can get it, and then even if they got it, they couldn't use it in court. But there's a catch. There's an exception called the crime-fraud exception. And here's the deal. Let's say you and I are talking away and, and uh, we're communicating, attorney-client privilege, right? But what we say is, how are we going to bribe Tamara? She's juror mm-hmm. number six. It's pretty easy. Well, <laughs> it may be easy, but it's a crime. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's a communication that would otherwise be privileged, if it's a Starbucks crime... Starbucks gift card will do it. Okay. <laughs> you and I are going to go to jail. She's going to get mm-hmm. a Starbucks gift card. And so that's the hope of the prosecutors is that there may be a whole 
whole lot of stuff between Trump and Cohen mm-hmm. that was cooking up a crime of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, judging from your activities earlier today, maybe an H&R Block gift certificate. We've got <laughs> uh, congratulations on getting your tax done, taxes done before midnight. Yeah, almost didn't make minute. it today. Anyway, um, so, uh, Scott, I know we talked about this last week, but sort of what Royal's saying. Uh, how disappointed are you going to be if we somehow find out that there were some amazing incriminating documents <laughs> that are going to be inadmissible because they didn't meet the definition right. of criminal? Well, that's what we're gonna we're gonna find out, right? And that's what Chelsea had mentioned last yeah. week. Is basically, if they were working together to do something illegal, then that's not shielded by the the, the privilege. So, uh, for the the sake of Royal and for you know more of our sporadic videos as our sporadic viewers as opposed to people who watch every week, uh, Scott always keeps the impeachment clock yes. and countdown. Uh, impeachment slash like, resignation. Yeah, clock. well, either or. You're right. It's not necessarily <laughs> right. impeachment or resignation. Uh, we were were we at twelve fifty eight last week. Yeah, we were like two minutes to, to midnight. Is it more like twelve twelve forty five now? <laughs> I mean, clock, eleven. Yes, yeah. it's the doomsday clock. It's more, it's more yes. like eleven fifty eight now, yes. right? We've backed it up yeah. a, a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I don't have know. a question. Uh, what what? Because I'm always pessimistic that anything is ever going to actually lead to anything to to take Trump out. So what is what is the fantasy document? What would be our uh, fan, fantasy dossier uh, league document that we would hope would would come to light? Well, I can tell you what the fantasy document is, and it has to do with Prague. The suggestion is that Michael Cohen took a sneaky trip mm-hmm. to Europe shortly before the election and met with a really high-up Russian guy in the government. Now, he denies it. He flashed the cover of his passport to prove he didn't go there, mm-hmm. like he doesn't realize the stamps are inside right. the cover. <laughs> but apparently there's no proof of him taking a commercial flight. Who knows? He might have taken some private mm-hmm. flight. But the bottom line is, if that happened, that would put Trump so close to actual Russia collusion. But we don't have that kind of evidence. And at this point, we don't know if it's going to be like Geraldo's vault with nothing but a bottle cap or is it going to be Uncle Scrooge's money bin overflowing Ooh, with evidence of, of impeachment <laughs> stuff? We, we just don't and, know. And Trump's just swimming around yeah. in Uncle Scrooge's right. money bin. Uh, so talk a little bit about what realistically prosecutors are expecting to get and what they might be able to glean from it. You know, What can they actually take away from what they're realistically going to be handed? Well, it's interesting. The first step, of course, is what do they get to look at? Now, what happened a day or two ago is that Cohen goes in with his lawyers and says, Judge, Judge Kimball Wood, uh, tell us uh, you're going to give us a restraining order so that we and Trump's lawyers can see all the documents first and make an argument that it's too private. Uh, but she said no. She's going to let the other side see it. But first, the dirty team looks at it. Federal prosecutors who will not be involved in the prosecution of Cohen, but who will sort out what's privileged and what isn't. And what isn't privileged, they give to the real prosecutors and the dirty team or the taint team. Then they go off and they try to get some other bad guys. And what they're hoping to get is evidence of Cohen for a dozen years being Trump's fixer. Real estate, payoffs to women, Russia, they don't know what they're going to find, but they had enough suggestion of illegality that they satisfied the probable cause standard to get a judge to issue a a warrant, probable cause being a reasonable person would suspect there was a crime. That's That's the bad news for Cohen, but the good news for him is that we don't know really, and he doesn't know, if there's anything that really will be incriminating. And I would say if Cohen is even reasonably good at his job, there's nothing 
that there's no piece of paper, there's no email, there's no, nothing that would say this $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels. It's not like in the memo, you know, on a check. It's not like the memo says for DT, you know, or anything, right. DJT, you know, Trump forever. No, there's none of that. There's none of that <laughs> on there. So I, I would imagine that that's what they're most hoping for in terms of, well, maybe that's what the media is most hoping for, let's be <laughs> honest. Uh, the odds are that even a, even a you know, moderately competent attorney isn't going to have anything like that that can be found. Probably it's been wiped pretty clean, but you never know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes stuff is in there. And the interesting thing is, I think what Mueller's strategy is going to be is to flip this guy. And essentially, for example, let's say that there was 130,000 and Trump knew or didn't know, and maybe it would taint Trump a little, but you know, people aren't going to care too much. I mean, Kennedy was sleeping around and, and, and Johnson and all the rest. I think what the real exposure here, Christian, is that to the extent Cohen knows a lot of bad stuff and knows where the bodies are buried, and to the extent Mueller, when the dust clears in a couple of months, can say to him, look, pal, uh, sit down and have a smoke, a cup of coffee, you're looking at 85 years. You'll be 130 when you get out. Yeah. Or you can go to prison for three years if you tell us everything and give us the goods. Mm. I think that is the ultimate dramatic Our tricky conversation. legal system. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you get out of prison when you're 130, you still have another 50 years. <laughs> right. Uh, so the uh, I, I guess the this brings us to a sort of the flashy news of yesterday, the Hannitized news about uh, Sean Hannity being a client, and Sean Hannity makes the same point that President Trump has made, sort of as all this has gone on, that attorney-client privilege is dead, and I feel like. These raids and these things doesn't necessarily mean that, but uh, I also, as I've said before, my uh, law degree mostly comes from reruns of Night Court, which gives me occasion <laughs> to mention the passing of Harry Aww. Anderson, which uh, is tragic. I loved that show as a kid. Yeah. Uh, but again, that is my law degree, so perhaps I don't understand attorney-client privilege. But I would have John Larroquette represent me if I were ever in court. Uh, what, is there any credence to what the president and Sean Hannity are saying about attorney-client privilege and being compromised in this instance? Well, not really. The president has it wrong because he says, oh, my gosh, they're getting his attorney-client privilege stuff. That means the privilege is dead, and that's awful. But it isn't dead. It's just the crime fraud exception. The crime fraud exception says that if there's bad Trump stuff in terms of communications, then we may all see it. So he's wrong there. Hannity's a different situation. What happened was Cohen goes to court and says, oh, Your Honor, everything's privileged, and I had all these clients, two, three clients actually in the last two years, and so please don't hand over privileged stuff. And the judge says, who are your clients? Mm. Uh, if you want me to decide <laughs> it's privileged, I've got to know who they are. Yeah. If there's a memo from you, a lawyer, to the client, and he says, well, there's uh, Elliot Broidy, the uh, fundraiser for the Republicans, there's Mr. Trump, and <clears throat> there's somebody uh, else, a third. I don't want to. And he was absolutely resistant to revealing the name of the of the third client. He was forced to do it in open court with the judge. He even offered to put it in a sealed envelope <laughs> like he's on a game show or something. And she said, no, you got to blurt it out. Mm -hmm. He blurts it out. And, of course, you know, snorts and giggles and chuckles <laughs> in the courtroom. Sean Hannity, all the reporters run for the, from the door. Bottom line is Hannity's all over the place on his radio show. He says, I never hired him. I never mm -hmm. had an attorney-client privilege. Then an hour later, he says, oh, I might have given him a $10 bill, you know, to establish the attorney-client privilege. Mostly real estate. Mostly. Well, then what else? Mm -hmm. So Hannity does not want to be tainted with this brush of, oh, I've got the lawyer who's the cover-up guy, the fixed guy, you know, the strippers and so on. 
but at the end of the day, he probably just had a few fairly harmless conversations with this guy. I mean, it's unlikely that he has the same kind of business mm-hmm. activity as Donald Trump, and yet he doesn't like the idea of being drawn into the whole mess. Well, two things. I think the first is that Hannity will be able to call a number of character witnesses who will attest to the fact that he is indeed a great American. Number two, (laughs) uh, I think we're going to find out that Cohen represented him in his very messy divorce with uh, with Combs, Alan Combs. (laughs) The joke would be fine if I could have remembered his first name. I was going to call him Sean Combs. No, that's that's Puff Daddy. (laughs) Which, by the way, what a show that would have been. Hannity and Combs with Puff Daddy. (laughs) Sorry. They should do that now. Yeah, put that on. Put that on. My to-do list, but uh, all all of the uh, mixed comedy aside, uh, there probably you're getting the impression that it, he didn't really represent him in something. There's probably not like a incredibly messy, you know, cover up that he was involved in. But there's a cable news channel with an MS at the beginning of it that would probably. It, everybody's head would explode. The sure. Just came. yeah, just imagine how <laughs> Rachel Maddow would, her you'd see her head explode on the air if it was like yeah, actually Sean Hannity has this really torrid affair. And, it's unlikely mm-hmm. there was anything terribly substantive or anything very salacious. Who knows? Some mm-hmm. juicy stuff might come up, but it's unlikely to really lead to much because the real ball game is Cohen and Trump. One interesting thing people might start to say is, well, let's get this straight, Mr. Hannity. Uh, you've been talking about Cohen and Trump for so long. Mm-hmm. You didn't bother to tell your mm-hmm. viewers that Cohen is your lawyer. Now, yeah. mm-hmm. wouldn't that have been nice for them to know? And I, I think he has an answer, though, that's fairly decent. He's not exactly Walter Cronkite. He's not <laughs> the source of authority delivering the news objectively. He's a commentator. We know he loves Trump. We know he's on the phone in the evenings with Trump. So the fact that he didn't reveal that his lawyer, for some reason, is Cohen... I don't think it's going to cause Hannity's base to care. I don't think it's going to cause Fox News to care. But it is a little weird. And if he were a straight journalist, he could be in some hot water. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. uh, as far as Fox News is concerned, uh, it's uh, nothing compared to what uh, Bill O'Reilly was up to. So they're like, oh, this is it. Great. That's really. But Tamara, when you heard this news, uh, the comedy mind must have been uh, at least mildly stimulated. Or perhaps it was fixated on looking for 1099s and W-2s. <laughs> That's all I did today. Kristen, by the way, has anybody ever uh, asked you if you were Sean Hannity? <laughs> Is it? <there's> like... <laughs> uh, maybe a younger Sean Hannity, but uh, I, don't, I don't think I look Does anybody else see a little bit of a resemblance there? I, you know, the one I always get is Nathan Lane. It kind of stops <laughs> oh, there. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, as I will often say, I'm uh, slightly taller, but a lot gayer than he is. <laughs> uh, anyway, but in terms of Sean, <laughs> in terms of Sean Hannity, uh, so you hear this, it doesn't matter now what the truth of it is because there's truth for comedy. So there's this, I, I think, lends itself to, uh, although we didn't have any jokes about this uh, at the didn't top of the show. Didn't have any jokes about Sean Hannity. It's one of those comedy bits where it's like you, you would prefer not to have the comedy when, it, when it's things, <laughs> when, it's, when it's matters of, of, of just, <laughs> like just things unraveling so terribly that it's like I... I wish we we didn't have an opportunity to make jokes about this. Well, that's the reason I'm not stand up anymore because I had a good eight minute chunk on the Hindenburg, uh-huh. and you know what? I've heard about it. My yeah, entire it did, career, I've it, heard yeah. about that it, it old really Hindenburg didn't, bit. It, it really didn't play well, especially when I, I did the uh, the yuck yuck fact uh, factory <laughs> at Lakehurst, New Jersey. But Scott, you hear about Sean Hannity, and you're, you're looking at the world. Obviously, things are funny to you. Yes, but uh, you had to be excited. I I, well, was, I was excited for you. When I you saw I, it. I mean it, it kind of goes back to what Roy was saying. It's like there, 
for most people, they're not going to care because they love him, and the people that hate him are going to hate him. But because he's not a journalist, even though he plays the part of a journalist, and you feel like, oh, it feels like a conflict of interest, it just was funny because it's very ironic because he's never mentioned it, and he keeps talking, you know, as, as how Trump is just this is a whole witch hunt and, you know, all the stuff. So it was very funny for me just to see that he was sort of right involved in all that. And I also loved his answer about the whole real estate well mostly real estate and i'm like well what is the other mm-hmm. things that you exactly you're talking what, about the mostly real estate there's, like, a, there's, there's a, something else there <laughs> there's a desk <laughs> bit we should do what are other things sean hannity <laughs> has conveniently yes, forgotten to mention that he had, had talked to cohen about so that was the only thing i was like hmm uh royal did but you yes. hear uh about i saw this uh, sort of it, it was a smaller story but i guess there's some other attorneys with ties to president trump that have uh, issued, I guess, memos on Sean Hannity's behalf, one of which was directly to a radio station uh, because a conservative commentator, uh, Debbie Schlissel, whom I used to hear a lot on the radio, uh, made some allegations against him, and it was a cease and desist. And these lawyers are, t- it's less about that memo, but these lawyers are tied to Donald Trump. So I don't know if there's anything there, but these are all the sorts of things that, uh, you know, are just, well, to borrow from what Scott just said and what Arsenio Hall used to so often say, it's one of those things that make you go, hmm. Hmm. Uh, what do you think when you hear all of this? Yeah, you have to think that there's just so much out there that could cause Trump to be vulnerable. It's got to be just a matter of time. I mean, we heard rumors that there were literally dozens of women mm-hmm. who were paid off at some point during the campaign and a little bit after the campaign. And again... To the extent that we're going to give uh, rich, famous guys a pass if, if they're fooling around, then maybe it's no big deal. But if it was an election law violation, if in fact it wasn't reported, if Trump was involved in that, that could be an issue. One of the things where they may be able to squeeze Michael Cohen is that he paid the 130 grand, as we know, out of his own pocket. And the way he got it into his pocket was he went to his bank and he said, I'd like a home equity loan, a line of credit. And normally, they don't ask a lot of questions. If you're a good guy with good credit and you get your loan, then they hand it to you. Sometimes they ask, well, what's going on? So to the extent he lied to the bank, he could be in hot water. And that's kind of the best guess as to what he did wrong. In addition, he set up these weird offshore companies so he could flow the money from his account into the offshore company that isn't traceable to Trump into Stormy Daniels' pocket. And she even had a pseudonym. So to the extent he violated the law in setting these up and sort of lied as to the purpose of creating them, all of these things could come crashing down on him and, again, give leverage to the prosecutors to get him to spill the beans against Trump. Uh, we'll uh, talk uh, after the break a little bit more about uh, the Robert Mueller investigation. But uh, what from this raid sort of goes directly to them? I know you talked about you know, some of the specific documents and the devices that they'll get. Uh, what do you think they're most like, you know, just best guess, what do you think they're actually going to be interested in and actually really focus on? Anything that suggests that Trump was aware of illegality or just complicit with it. But interestingly, everybody was portraying it as a big loss for Cohen the other day in court. It was actually kind of a win in this sense. He wanted this temporary restraining order that said, I want to look at this stuff first and then I'll report on what's in there. Instead, the judge said no. But what she did say was, I am going going to have a, a, a person who is affiliated with the team create an inventory of everything in your 12 electronic devices, and Mueller and the other prosecutors won't see it 
until I see it and you get a chance to say, oh, no, that's secret. And she even said she may appoint a special master, meaning a retired judge or a lawyer who's super neutral and not part of any prosecution team or, or taint team or dirty team. So those are kind of good for Cohen. On the other hand, if there's stuff that is not privileged after he goes through all the process, and there's going to be another hearing in a few weeks, if there's really bad stuff suggesting there was a crime, it's not going to help him that it, it went through a bunch of hurdles. It's going to be there for everybody to see. You know, we see this a lot in, in you know, m movies, TV shows featuring the mob, sort of the code that people can speak in. So if, if there's a communication that's like, hey, talk to that friend of ours, dealt with that problem with a capital P, everything's good, is that incriminating enough or is it too vague? You know what I mean? Like if it's in some kind of code, and I use a really clunky basic code but at the same time it, are you able to actually use something like that if you're like well clearly they're talking about something else absolutely if there's separate evidence that sort of translates the term it can be incriminating <laughs> I, I can think of an example uh, eisenhower used to be big on uh, coup d'etat he would actually go into iran and other nations and and basically sponsor a coup he was the guy that came up with the idea of the bay of pigs that was botched uh, during the kennedy administration his people had a little phrase they said i've discussed this with my associate. Eisenhower didn't want his fingerprints on these coup plans, right. the overthrows. But when they said the associate, we now know, digging through all the Eisenhower papers, they meant Ike. And so it's the same thing now, 60 years later. Uh, you could have sort of a, a code name for somebody, and if there's evidence that that's what he really meant, that could take Trump down. Tamara, hmm. what are some of the code names you use when you deal with the mafia? <laughs> I mean, you're joking, but I'm half Italian. Um, I don't feel comfortable answering that question because, frankly, my Uncle Nino will find out about it. And Uncle Nino always says, yep. there is no mafia. And then, <laughs> yep, and then your yacht, you know, that is the yacht. Uh, all right, well, we're going to take a very quick break. Unbelievably quick break, but uh, when we come back, we're going to talk briefly about uh, Robert Mueller because we have uh, a, a legal mind here on the couch. Uh, so uh, stick around. We'll be right back. <coughs> Welcome back to the Trump Report. Christian Blatt, Tamara Brown, Scott Moore, and on the couch... Royal Oaks, at Royal Oaks on the Twitter. Uh, we talked about this uh, within the last couple of weeks, but uh, I wanted to get your perspective. There's concern, and you have Republicans urging President Trump not to do this. Uh, is it possible for President Trump to fire Robert Mueller's special prosecutor, or an indirect way where he can do it. Yeah, he's got a couple of options. According to the regulations that were set up by the executive branch several years ago, uh, the president does not have the power to go ahead and fire the special prosecutor. Instead, only the guy that mm -hmm. appointed him, Rodney Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, or Sessions, who's now been recused, uh, could do that. Now, how could you do it? Uh, there has to be good cause. There has to be a basis for firing him, but, you know, somebody could come up with an argument that maybe it would be rational and fair. So Trump can't do it directly. He can order Rosenstein to do it, and if Rosenstein doesn't, then we're back into the Saturday Night Massacre thing from the Nixon era. But uh, Trump has another option. He could say, well, look, I'm the boss of the executive branch, and this whole special counsel thing exists because of an executive branch uh, regulation, I hereby rescind the regulation, so poof, there is no more special counsel, and he's out of there. Uh, the difficulty thing is, I think, that uh, Trump's advisors have convinced him that it would be touching the third rail, you know, you'd, you'd die if, if politically if you tried to fire Mueller. Maybe uh, Trump will try to get cute and say, well, let's see, I'm going to fire Rosenstein, 
and uh, then I'm going to fire Sessions, the attorney general, get a new attorney general who isn't tainted by the need to recuse himself, so he will then ride roughshod on Mueller or, or try to, to fire him. Bottom line is Trump is making the pitch that the guy's just unfair, that 14 of the 16 lawyers on his staff gave to Hillary and Obama. Would you want somebody like that with diametrically different views from yourself uh, as your jurors? And so now he's got, in addition to all his other arguments, the idea, all right, they're shredding the attorney-client privilege. So those are the options Trump has. You know he'd love to fire Mueller if he could. He's so combative and pugnacious, he'd love to just say, you're fired, like he does to everybody else. <laughs> but he feels he can't do it because his advisors have convinced him it would really, really be a bad idea. Well, you know, those advisors always uh, are so successful at telling him not to do things because <laughs> they're a bad idea. Uh, in terms of people that uh, he has fired, though, uh, let's, uh, Scott, we'll start with you. Uh, Scott fired from the Trump administration. Yes, <laughs> on day one, oddly enough. Fired from the Trump report. But then he keeps then showing up. But hired back, yeah. yes. And then he keeps showing up. The, uh, so we've uh, got some, uh, Jim Comey has uh, been making the rounds. And uh, the book's out. He's doing a lot of interviews. Mm -hmm. What are some of your key takeaways from what he's had to say? And what do you like about President Trump's response to all of it? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's you, you hear both sides to it. And you also hear the side of like him going out and, and wanting to make money off of a book and a, a tell-all. But I always say to everyone, I'm like, hey, if you have something to say... That's the American way right there. Go ahead and, and do the tell-all, um, whether you agree with it or not. But, um, you know, he he clearly has something to say. He knows he was the one that was intimately involved in the situation leading up to the election in 2016. And, you know, people from both sides say that the election was affected by what he chose or to do or not to do um, with Hillary and with Trump and everything else. Um, but I you could tell he was definitely trying to get some jabs in with Trump, especially the way he was describing him with the half moon, with the half moon eyes, probably for goggles for tanning, and that his hands were small but not unusually small. And you know. yeah, it's a handsome gentleman, uh, as we can see behind us here for those watching on YouTube. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, but I was going to say, but it, it, it's you, you hear about the notes and, and the detailed notes he was giving. I think the the most surprising thing out of all of that was the fact that uh, that his wife and his daughters were. Voting for Hillary. He said he didn't vote um, because he didn't want to be partial, which I thought was an interesting comment. Uh, but it was fascinating to kind of learn that his wife and children, ostensibly he's a Republican and, you know, uh, children and spouses can be different political affiliations. But it was fascinating to learn that little tidbit. But, I, I you know, I love the, the way they – in the ABC interview when they showed him when we've heard him trying to blend in with the – with the curtain and and then they did the whole highlighted thing with him in the corner when when trump calls him out and he has to walk across the room to go uh, shake his hand and um it was it was it was definitely entertaining good tv uh didn't get the ratings if we're if, if in trump well, that's all that trump cares about like stormy daniels were, did yeah. but you know it was it was uh interesting to to hear his side of it and, and we know there's both sides especially when it's involved with something like this uh Tamara, can you think of a better way that if you have a book coming out, which I believe you will soon, <laughs> but when you have a book coming out, it's is there a better book. way? It's a what book? It's a coloring book. <laughs> yeah, but the, it'll be great. It's called uh, it's called Our Orange President. <laughs> There's only one, one crayon that comes with it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's red. No, the uh, if you're trying to sell a book, uh, is there a better way to get free publicity than have the president tweeting about how mm -hmm. you're a piece of garbage and your book is a bigger piece of garbage? Apparently <laughs> not. I mean, you can um, 
put your book in a box that says Muggles do not open or so that you've got that's a Harry Potter reference <laughs> <laughs> not, a lot of, not a lot of nerds um, there's not a lot of uh, Harry Potter fans following the um, the Trump report Comey, no I think I think they must be um yeah, so I'd say probably that is the best the best thing to do uh, mm-hmm. is is have Trump tweet uh, uh, disparaging remarks and also um, have uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, look Comey is uh, a liar and a leaker and he is not to be trusted. It's bestseller right there. Free advertising. It's yeah, I mean, way. if you got Sarah Huckabee Sanders, also, you know, yeah. they could put that on the. Well, I guess on the paperback, you could put that quote. From, <laughs> a liar actually, that's and a, a leaker. No, honestly, the that's a great idea. Over and over again. Which is coincidentally <laughs> Trump's nickname in Russia. <laughs> hey! No, I like that because it's racy. Yeah. No, but honestly, for the paperback, those are the quotes they should put on that book. Mm-hmm. Like what Sarah Huckabee Sanders and what Donald Trump mm-hmm. says about it. Uh, Royal, you uh, see the the rounds that uh, James Comey's making, and what are just uh, some overall thoughts about uh, about him and what. He's had to say lately. I think it's really bad for him to come across kind of petty, mm-hmm. talking about the eyes, mm-hmm. talking about the hands, mm-hmm. saying he's unfit to be president, he's mm-hmm. a liar, because it undermines his credibility. He's trying to make money through the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is going to be a key witness uh, down the road. It may be an impeachment trial, who knows what the context is, but he's a key finger pointer at Trump. The idea of Trump obstructing justice. I mean, the idea of firing Comey because he was working on the Russia thing, which essentially is what Trump admitted to, I think, Lester Holt on NBC, mm-hmm. to the Russian in the Oval Office. So I think that hurts Comey's situation. But what a bizarre guy. I mean, what a historic figure he is. He's ticked off everybody. I mean, the Hillary folks still hate him. You know, mm-hmm. Lanny Davis is making the rounds. He wrote a book essentially saying Hillary lost because of Comey dragging it out in October. And obviously the Trump folks hate him. I mean, nobody, in that sense, maybe you think maybe he's not a bad guy. But everybody seems to have pretty mm-hmm. solid reasons for doing it. So he's a very peculiar figure. And, and I just think he's hurting his credibility mm-hmm. by making these personal attacks. He's the Yankees of former FBI directors. <laughs> <laughs> no matter who you are up against, right. everybody, everybody can chant, Comey sucks, Comey sucks. I, I mean, it's a valid point because, yeah. you you know, his statement about investigating Hillary uh, really only needed to affect about, I think, probably less than 1% of overall voters. You can break it down by some of the states. But it's really just had to affect very few people's minds uh, because of how close the election was. Although, I believe someone who lives at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue will tell you that the results were huge. <laughs> but uh, Barron has been saying Yeah, that. Barron's really been talking a lot mm-hmm. about it. Uh, anyway, we're going to take another uh, short break, our, uh, our last break of the show. And then uh, we've... We've got some uh, some more interesting topics to talk about. What are they? Well, you're going to have to stick around and find out now, aren't you? We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to the Trump Report. Christian Blatt, Tamara Brown, Scott Moore, and on the couch, Royal Oaks. Uh, Royal, I wanted to talk about... Something that I don't quite understand the legality of, which is great that you're here. Uh, we talked last week about President Trump saying that he wants to put troops, a, i.e. the National Guard, uh, along the border to help pr- protect the construction of the border wall and also, you know, just to protect the border. And California has said, uh, no, thanks. We're, we're not interested in that. And uh, obviously, 
you know, if like North Dakota said that, it'd be like, all right, well, so that's a part of Canada that they can sneak across. But if California <laughs> says it, that's a substantial part of the border. Um, give me your thoughts about the Trump's plan, if it's enforceable, and can California just blatantly disregard it, or does you know National Guard from another state have to roll in and make California do it? Really good questions. Uh, the president has a lot of discretion and power in terms of what to do with our military, even in a domestic context. Uh, if the president determines that there's an international thing going on and the national security and the enforcement of our immigration laws is at stake, yeah, he can send in the Army and the Marines and Coast Guard and everybody else uh, and do it. You go back, I made a reference to Eisenhower earlier because everybody loves to talk about Eisenhower. You remember in Little Rock, Arkansas, after the Supreme Court had said, hey, separate but equal is inherently unequal, desegregate your damn schools. In Arkansas, Governor Faubus said no, and he flipped off the president. And the president literally sent the army in to allow these young black children into the school. The U.S. Army was sent in to enforce the law. Well, Trump can do the same thing. Now, Jerry Brown has our, our National Guard. He's got local troops. He can say, I disagree with the policy. But, you know, he can't stop Trump. Trump can't really force Brown to, to line up. And that gets into the whole sanctuary city deal because Trump generally has been losing the court fights. If a city or a state says, hey, we're not going to help you enforce your damned immigration laws, we hate them. Trump is saying, you, know, you have to. Federal immigration law is supreme. Generally, the courts have said, yeah, the states can't interfere. They can't actually stop the feds from doing their job, but you can't conscript them. You can't deputize them, turn them into Barney Fife with one bullet, and force the state to go down and do the feds' job of enforcing the immigration laws. So in a way, you can nullify the federal law as long as you're actually not impeding it, but you can't be forced to help ICE, to enlist your team to, to uh, facilitate ICE. So it's this delicate balance. Bottom line is Trump has you know, a lot of soldiers at his disposal if he wants to go down to the border. So if you're, I mean, I guess it's such a hypothetical, but can you basically send the U.S. Army to the National Guard and try and be like, all right, you, you guys have to actually do this? I yeah, mean, absolutely. The, the federal government soldiers, the U.S. Army, at the, the beck and call of the president, they can be sent to Vietnam, they can be sent to San Ysidro. Uh, the president has the power to do that. Governor Brown can try to talk him out of it. He can say it's a bad idea, it's overkill. Uh, you can boycott companies that help build the wall. You can have all sorts of persuasion. But the bottom line is the president has the power to do this. And, you know, a, a lot of people around the country, I, I, think, I think, are behind him. We were talking about the ratings earlier. I guess we now know the hierarchy. There's Stormy Daniels. She's like 23 million. <laughs> yeah. Roseanne was about 18 mm -hmm. million. That's true. And Comey was 10 mm -hmm. or 11 million. Mm -hmm. So that shows who we like, I guess. Uh, I guess so. Uh, and, uh, Tamara, uh, if... You were in the National Guard, hypothetically, let's mm -hmm. say. Uh, would you defend our wall from threats, foreign and domestic? Or would you just be like, I, I think Would I is... go rogue against yeah. what my job is? <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rule follower, I suppose. No, I would not. I would do what you're, you know... I think if a few good men taught us anything, it's that when you are given a command, you have to follow it or you're going to uh, be, uh, you know, held personally responsible. Um, yeah, I mean, I I feel bad for especially any anybody in California who a lot of these people being sent to the border are probably um, 
first generation or immigrants themselves. They don't want to be doing I, that. Or at the very least, their friends are immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. In California. So what a rough job. That would be, uh, you know, God. What I learned from A Few Good Men is that I want Jack Nicholson on that wall, and I need him on that wall. That's really all I need. And so this is the wall to have him on. But which, why don't we which, say, which Jack Nicholson, though? Today's? <laughs> yeah, Jack now doesn't really do much. I don't except know. He's, He's only go... on the Lakers floor. Yeah, like, exactly. I don't know. So Maybe we want Tom Cruise to cross-examine Trump at the impeachment trial to get him to do what Nicholson said. You can't handle the I truth. Feel like yeah. I, I love your reference to A good, Few Good Men. Solving a lot like of problems here. Trump would also want that. I we, you mean if if Tom Cruise were uh, yeah. cross-examining? Him? Do you think he would jump up on the couch about how excited he was that he would Tom knew, Cruise? You know, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, Tom Cruise, not President Trump. <laughs> um, He's not fit. Trump yeah, is not physically able to. I do don't that. think so either. Well, I don't know that That's a couch a has been. Con- I know we we shouldn't make fat jokes, but I don't no, know that a couch s- has been constructed that would be sturdy enough for the president to jump yeah. up and down on. Uh, Scott. Do you feel – how do you feel like it, this would play out? Do you think that President Trump would just back down and just talk bad about California like he's already Well, done? it was funny because last week you know, he tweeted. He's like, oh, thank you for Jerry Brown for, for agreeing with this. And then, of course, uh, Governor Brown had to clarify and said, I'm sending them down <laughs> but for these reasons. And then, of course, today now uh, Trump goes back to his usual you know, arguing about Governor Brown not listening to what they were doing and how the wall is already being constructed down there and – um, all this stuff, and and I think um, I think Trump enjoys having that foil uh, because he clearly hates California because that's the main reason why he lost the popular vote that he still can't accept the fact that he lost the vote by three million. So he's trying to find ways of of nullifying that. So he he hates everything that California stands for. So for him, it's a, nice to have that foil, especially avocados. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you said it. People are usually afraid to point that out. But we, but we me. but we also know it's a lot of political theater too because we know that the immigration numbers are actually have been down for the past couple of years. Not even since he came into office, they've gone sharply down since he came into office because. Clearly, the welcome mat is not there anymore with with him. Um, so the numbers are way down on immigration. So we already know that. Um, and so it's a lot of political theater. Uh, the National Guard is very limited in what they can do, which we talked about last week. They can't fire weapons. They can't do much. They're there more to observe. Um, so it's a lot of political theater. And yes, if he wants to send guards down, and that's what Brown said. And, and in a way, it it behooves Brown not to make a bigger deal because, like Roy was saying, then you can escalate it, and it makes it uglier because then. Trump will federalize those National Guard troops and he'll bring in more troops and it'll become a, a, a stickier situation where at least this way Brown feels like he's obeying what the president wants and still sort of getting his way of saying this is what they're doing and this is what they're not doing. Whereas if you, you, you take that control away, if you escalate and allow Trump to federalize those National Guard troops. so uh, Well, there's a, a lot more we can talk about. But we only have a few more minutes. And uh, because Royal's here, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, – the royal uh, wedding. The, yes, ah. thank you. I'm glad you asked to know. The, <laughs> My uh, invitation the, was lost in the mail. Mm. There's still time. Maybe, maybe it was a it was an evite. Uh, a is the yeah, in the spam folder. Yeah, just, <laughs> just check that. Uh, there was a ruling from the Supreme Court. Uh, Neil Gorsuch sided with the liberal justices and voted down part of the law that makes it easier to deport immigrants that are convicted of crimes. Um, one, do you think uh, somebody had to remind Trump, hey, no, this is your guy that did this? And two, uh, are you surprised that uh, Gorsuch sided with the uh, the so-called liberal justices on this? I was a little surprised because he has really been billed as a guy who is just a pure conservative, a, a delightful pick by Trump. Really, in, uh, the base was delighted. 
So uh, it, it's, it's surprising. On the other hand, you know, you're not always going to vote the party line. But I think more than any other justice in recent years, he has fulfilled the promise and the hope of the person appointing him. You know, we've seen so many cases from, you know, Souter uh, totally disappointed the Republicans. Uh, a lot of justices end up kind of shifting one way or the other, usually from the right to the left. Uh, but, uh, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, boy, you know she is hanging in there. Mm -hmm. She is going to do whatever yes. it takes to survive. I think we know who the cool kids are on the Supreme Court <laughs> justice. And, and, you know, once you're in, you want to side with the cool kids. And she's been amazingly frank about expressing mm -hmm. her opinions during election campaigns, yes. taking yeah. sides. I mean, Supreme right. Court justices don't exactly. do that. But there's something about that lifetime appointment. She knows that nobody's going to get rid of her. Nobody can fire her. So she is frank and earnest about everything. But, yeah, I think it was a little surprising that he kind of departed from the, the party line. I, I wouldn't hold your breath for another big uh, liberal mm -hmm. vote out of Gorsuch. Uh, are no. you particularly familiar with the case that they they ruled on enough to understand why it would have made sense for him to... You know, it's really hard to know. I think he's got a libertarian streak. Uh, and, you know, during the, the hearings, everybody learned that he had a terrific command of constitutional law and so on. But I think it was just surprising that he would uh, join the liberal bloc in, in that situation because, you know, he's just been a very reliable vote with Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. Uh, and and you know, you, you've got a couple of swing votes with Anthony Kennedy and the Chief Justice John Roberts. They're kind of unpredictable. They vote for gay rights. They vote in favor of, of Obamacare. So they're, they're kind of swing votes. If Gorsuch were to also ease into that category of being unpredictable, that could really thwart a lot of Trump's plans. Yeah, I guess I... Uh, well, what doesn't thwart Trump's plans at this point? <laughs> who, who thwarts Trump's plans uh, better than Trump himself? Yeah, he is the best at that. <laughs> no one is better. Uh, I guess the last thing that we'll talk about, because we only have a few minutes here, is the, uh, the serious strikes that uh, we're going to be more fire and fury and uh, maybe, you know, I mean, look, there there were strikes. So people, of course, always get any time that President Trump mobilizes the military, people get concerned. And then it seems to be backed off a little bit. Uh, Scott, uh, what do you think? Do you think that uh, his I want to say handlers, but it's really mm -hmm. his advisors got into President Trump's ear and were like, oh, you know, let's downplay this a little bit. Or what do you what do you how do you think uh, what accounts for the way it played out? Well, I would say the one thing I think that was really stupid on his part was doubling down the mission accomplished uh, tweets and then re repeating that again over the weekend because it wasn't that long ago that we had another Republican president who said mission accomplished w with a banner behind him. Uh, and and we saw how that turned out in Iraq. So I, I, I didn't think that was the smartest tactic. But, of course, you know, he probably said it and, and then his advisors were like, oh, maybe you shouldn't have said that. Instead, he was like, like, because he listens to them so well uh, that he decided to double down on that. Um it's it's a very tricky situation anyways with Syria, uh, as we know, and that's what happened with, with, with Obama. They got him into trouble because he made that red line and, and then he didn't – once it was crossed, didn't follow up on it. But it is one of those things where just two weeks ago he's basically saying we need to get out of Syria and he was talking about that before when Obama was president. Um, and you know that if you go too far – that you start adding uh, issues and having to bring more troops in, and then all of a sudden now you're you're invested more heavily when we still have two other wars that we have yet to fully wind down, and and that spreads the troops too thin. So, I, I think what he did was was stupid. Uh, going back to the mission accomplished thing, I think that was a, a, a silly thing to say um, for what they were doing, and that was a lot lower key than they made it out to be at the beginning. 
Uh, Tamara, every time that uh, President Trump uh, mobilizes the military, I alluded to uh, people get nervous. Uh, what's your reaction when you hear that President Trump is uh, sending some troops uh, out into action? Oh, definitely uh, get nervous. But the, the thing of it is, is that what's happened um, when... When nothing comes of it, which is good, but ultimately these are just sort of like, um, what's it, crying wolf? Like, uh, are we going to, things are going to get so muddled now when he's like, makes some declaration of war and then it fizzles out in a tweet? I don't know. It's, it's such a, it's such dangerous territory to not know what you can and cannot take seriously from the leader of a country. Well, I mean, I guess it's easier when it's it's a different country, but when it's this country, that that's uh, I guess when the rest of the world uh, takes notice. Uh, Roy, we only have uh, two minutes left, but I wanted to give you a chance to sort of uh, share your thoughts on how President Trump has responded to Syria, and then you know, like brought back half of his response, basically. Sure, you know, it's interesting. People suspect the wag the dog syndrome is mm -hmm. at play, where he wants to distract everybody's attention from Russian collusion by starting a war. That's possible. On the other hand. Really bad guys are running Syria. They're, they're killing people. They're using uh, chemicals and gas on their own people. And it's funny that Michael Wolf Fire and Fury book uh, several months ago, it said Trump doesn't read, he doesn't really mm -hmm. listen, he responds to visual, emotional things, and he saw pictures of kids who had been gassed. And at that point, he decided we're going to do something. And maybe that's the same kind of reaction we're seeing now. The difficulty is it may be good that you wipe out some bad guys in, in one discreet attack, but is that a long-range plan? What are you going to do next? Right. Are we going to invade? And so I don't really think he has a long-range plan. I think he just wanted to do something good for various reasons right now. I think he was um, upset by those photos because in the background there was a vacant lot that was prime real estate. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what, it's that's going to develop. It's so funny because yeah. I, uh, I was in Las Vegas over the weekend for the first time in a while, and there's that one hotel that just has the name Trump just like sort of staring down at you over the, the skyline in Vegas, and you're like, Oh, yeah, that means something different than uh, the last time that <laughs> I was here. Anyway, Royal, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, My pleasure. At, at Royal Oaks on Twitter. And uh, do do we, we mention Hinshaw and Culbertson? That's where you work. Absolutely. And uh, you, you have a show that you do uh, online still, right? We do. It's the Royal Oaks show on CRN Digital, the talk. Uh, and it's also on YouTube. So check it out. I mean, if you've found us, you can definitely find right, that show. So, uh, well, anyway, Royal, thank you so much, and uh, uh, you know what? We'll have to we'll have to have you back, and uh, we'll we'll have to find a, a little time to talk about baseball. We didn't have time tonight, Love it. but <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, for those of you who want to follow me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Christian Damsey. Tamara, where do we find you? You can find me find me on YouTube at Hey Tamara. And what do they find there? Oh, you can find a little impressionist there, Huckabee Sanders. All right, and the pearls and everything. And Scott Moore, <laughs> where do uh, we find you? You can find me in S Man Eighty, and just so we know that we're live, with a little breaking news that former First Lady Barbara Bush has passed away. Oh, so, oh so, well, yes. I'm sorry to hear that. Yes. As, at least we go out on a really sad day. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much to everybody who uh, joined us in the chat, and uh, we will see you next Tuesday at four Pacific, seven Eastern. Thanks so much. See everybody then. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com.
I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.